Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today. Visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. There you will find a full list of our broadcasts from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso fast, hot, and intense. Well, hello, all of you BA and tech fans out there. Um, that was a great intro from David Blackman, but actually David or Jacqueline are not even on this call today. So you got two guest hosts today with me, Coop, and glad to be back with the Ask an Analyst show that we've been doing on Technology Expresso Cafe for for months now. We're up to episode 18. I think this is number 18. And um, you know, to anyone that speaks Hebrew or knows about Hebrew, the word uh, or the letter chai represents 18, and that's life. So we got a lot of life going on here today. And I am thrilled um, to introduce you guys to our other guest host, and that is Heather Milan Maine. She is a BA leader out there. There's no one more passionate, no one more dedicated, um, no one more focused around this uh, discipline, profession, whatever you want to call business analysis. But Heather is out there doing the work uh, every day as a consultant, and also she teaches as part of my company, B2T Training. So welcome, Heather. Coop, I'm thrilled to be here, and uh, thanks for that uh, uh, heartwarming introduction. I do have a lot of passion about this profession, this this uh, group of skills that make up the complex business analysis landscape, and, you know, uh, lots of great things to talk about in the basics. I'm thrilled to be here. All right. Awesome. So Heather's coming to us all the way from Des Moines, Iowa, or somewhere to Des Moines. So um, we are both on location or remote. I'm here in Decatur, Georgia. Heather's in uh, in the Des Moines area. And we are talking today about getting back to the basics. So Jacqueline and I started a couple of weeks ago. We started the first session around this back to the basics. Like there are just some things when it comes to analysis and the stuff that we do, the work that we do that is core no matter what project team you're on, what methodology you're using, you know, anywhere from the the deepest depths of waterfall to um, – the most agile of agile teams. Um, there are basics when it comes to analysis and things that have to happen. Um, so Jacqueline and I talked a lot last time about kind of scoping efforts and making sure people get on the same page with uh, what are we going after? What are the goals? What are the objectives? Why are we doing this? What are we trying to accomplish? What are the outcomes that we're looking for at the end of an initiative? Um, we said that regardless is is a basic. We also talked about team and uh, individual interactions, uh, especially in, we 
you know, I brought it up last week uh, or two weeks ago around that interactions is probably maybe even a, a newer basic than some other things, right? Especially the way teams are being formed in uh, in companies today or organizations today that you need to focus on how you interact uh, with other individuals and as a team. Um, so before I let Heather kind of chime in, and Heather is going to do a lot of the talking today, and that's why I invited her to the show so you guys can hear her insight on what she feels are the basics of business analysis. Um, I do want to let you know that if you're listening, um, please uh, hit – if you're listening and via phone, you can just hit number one, and you will get into the queue to talk to Heather and I. So ask us a question or give your comment. Um, and Javon is our producer, so she's in, you know, running the board, and she will see you and get you up uh, to speak to us. If you're listening on your computer, there's a chat function. You can use that chat feature to to type a question or a comment to Javon, and she'll jump on the line and give us the heads up about that. All right. So Heather, so I talked a little bit about what our basics were, what Jacqueline and I talked about. What what do you think? What's your how do you want to start this off? What are some of the things that are the basics for you? You know, I um it was a great show. I loved uh the conversation between you and Jacqueline and, and what you shared and I wanna I wanna echo some of the things you shared as far as the scope concept. So the concept of scope and context in particular is so important as a basic, you know. I'm a big fan of jigsaw puzzles, and, and, you know, according to me, there's only one way to put together a jigsaw puzzle, which is you do the outline first. Find the edge pieces. You understand the size of your puzzle. You understand, you know, pieces of focus um, that you might start with after you get it done. But but that edge is so critical. That's the same concept with our projects. You know, what is what is the scope of what we need to accomplish? Too many teams skip that element of understanding requirements scope. You know, a project manager, typically speaking, has got the project scope. And that, there's an element of that that's important. But when we talk into the analysis space basics of, of context, it really is critical that we start there. Otherwise, uh, we will find ourselves, you know, diving into rabbit holes and getting lost in um, details that aren't creating the most value for our teams. So, I think one of the basic concepts is, you mentioned defining the problem in the last show. I mean, that is definitely what is the problem, and then what's the context that we're going to be working in, the outline to solve that problem is a huge basic concept. I find teams skip that and go right into um, filling the orders the team's giving them, and we miss that opportunity to guide conversation and to actually break down our features more specifically once we have context. So that, to me, is one of the basics. And I, I appreciated hearing you know, the problem is part of that context as well as what the goals and objectives are. That's all part of that scope. But there's a great technique, and you know I'm a big fan of this technique. Um, I call it my business analysis superhero power um, because I'm in the consulting <laughs> opportunity is this context diagramming, and, and there's several flavors of it, but a context data flow diagram is a very simple scope technique that is such a mind-blowing visual when people see it and understand what it represents. It's a way for any team to quickly get a viewpoint 
of uh, the inner external agents and interactions um, that create the interface, and that guides the scope and the context of what you're doing. You can then break down your features, but you'd be surprised, Coop, and I, I'd be interested to hear what you think about this. How many people don't know about this technique? Are yeah, you well, finding I, that you know, people don't know it that. either? Well, yeah, it's funny you asked that because I was going to ask you a question based on um, – something you told me, I think it was a couple of years ago now, but you were speaking at a conference about this superhero technique. I like how you use that. Um, that and you asked, there was like two or 300 people in the audience, and you asked how many people use the context diagram. How many people raised their hands? Do you remember? I think, I think it was probably less than a third of the room. It was really right. small. I mean, it's just like, wow, you're practicing business analysts great your craft, but you're missing this opportunity to create value by by simplifying the context. Blew my mind. Yeah, no, and it's, I think it's it's something whether people, uh, I don't know what the answer is, and I, you know, I think, you know, you look around and all the, the companies that we teach at, a lot of, a lot of people will say, oh, this is something that we don't do, somebody else does it. Um, and so that might be a reason why they they don't raise their hand in uh, in that context. No pun intended. But but <laughs> so even if you don't do it, you have to understand how to what a good one looks like, so that you can kind of validate that. Okay, yeah, we do have the right boundary. And I loved your analogy with the puzzle, right? I mean, we do have the edges. Now we're ready. We know where to focus. Um, and I think some people and other people might uh, be like, oh, don't. You know, we're not about, you know, scoping and we allow scope creep to come into our projects. And that's, that's great. I agree, right? And the agilists will be like, oh, you know, boundaries, that, that might be too tight of a boundary. I don't know. Um, that's fine. I mean, you still need to understand, you know, you get a story. You have to know, does that story, does it fit into what we were trying to go after? And And if no, and it's still an important story, well, then, okay, let's see. Maybe we have to go from a thousand piece puzzle to a fifteen hundred piece puzzle, right? And we're gonna now expand our boundary. That's fine. But it at least gives you that anchor, I like to say, or something to talk about and to use to be able to tell do we bother with this thing or do we not? And and how deep do we go with it? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the one of the basic value propositions of a business analyst or the business analysis skill set, profession, whatever your title is, it's the concept to get a conversation started. So you're right that uh, the context can change, and that's okay. We allow for that, but it needs to be a conscious decision, number one, that it is changing, and then understanding the impact of the change. If we go from one size puzzle to a bigger size puzzle or to a smaller size puzzle, what does that mean? in the value chain of our work. How do I know where to focus? I think one of the, the main frustrations of teams is the swirl. Like you feel like you're just, you don't know what to do. It's so big, I don't know um, how to get started. I, I, it's too overwhelming. Well, a trained, skilled person with analysis says, all right, let's take this monster, let's wrangle it together, let's get an idea of where it starts and then start talking about what we want to do with this. So that context diagram technique is a simple technique in, in theory and practice, and it can be applied in so many ways. So that's why I do consider it my superhero 
um, skill set because as a consultant, I go into organizations where I am so not the subject matter expert. Sometimes I'm working in industries that I, I only understand the periphery. And within um, a few conversations, I can kind of model out their business, concepts of a project, and quickly have enough of an understanding to start helping guide that conversation. So uh, everyone should know it. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm sorry I didn't add superhero to uh, your bio when I... (laughs) When I introduced you, so next time I will make sure superhero right. BA. Um, and I was just, did you go? So this is total aside, but uh, I was in Minneapolis a few weeks ago, and I think last year when they had their professional development day, it was about. I think their theme was superheroes, or there was a friend of mine there was wearing a um, a cape that he said this was from last year's session. So I don't yeah, know if and you I were was there, there for that, but. So- I was, and and, oh, okay, good. and I shared um, I shared a different take on the superhero role, and I've got a, a fun presentation about the business analyst uh, Jedi Master, and 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 uh, that fit well with the superhero theme, and it was so fun to see at that conference the concept of you know BAs are superheroes, a highly skilled effective business analyst who actually knows all the basics that we're talking about is a superhero to organizations. And once they see it, they know it and they understand it and they want more of it. But it's very difficult to describe until you see the person wearing the yeah, cape doing right. stuff, right? <laughs> right. No, no, and that's that's kind of a reason Jacqueline and I started you know, talking about this, throwing around this concept of back to the basics is because people see you and they see how you operate um, and they see how you're able to take this monster and kind of wrangle it and get the team kind of on track and knowing where we're going. And they're like, oh, wow, Heather's great, right? Um, she's awesome. And uh, But what people, it's harder to see is, well, why is Heather awesome, right? What are the things that she's doing? What are the key, the core stuff, um, regardless of what team she's on, regardless of what project um, she's dealing with, whether it's in-house development or commercial off-the-shelf, you know, what's happening? So um, before I ask you about something that you mentioned, I do want to just let everybody know that listening in, please, if you have a question for for me or for Heather um, or just in general you want to make a comment, if you've dialed in and you're via phone, press 1 and Javon will get you in the queue to talk to us. If you're listening online, um, you should see a chat feature. Go ahead and type something in. Javon will see that and uh, be your spokesperson and get get that on the line as well. Um, So Heather, you mentioned um, one of the keys of a skilled, trained VA superhero is getting a conversation started. So is that I mean, is that a basic thing, or is that, you know, kind of only in certain circumstances? What's, what's your take, if you can go deeper into conversation starting? Yeah, I think that is, I think that's a basic. So one of the things that um, I think we need to be prepared in our superhero roles, I like that theme, I'm just going to keep it going, is a BA <laughs> has to have super thick skin. Like, you've got to be prepared 
to start a conversation. And, and even with a context diagram, I have created diagrams based on my understanding and the information available to me and been told as I presented it that it's completely wrong. So that feedback, uh, you know, is helpful mm. in the concept of, all right, let me get it right. Thank you for sharing that I don't have this understanding yet. How do you help me um, represent this accurately so you've got to almost be like a sacrificial lamb willing to you know you mentioned hebrew i had to go there sacrificial lamb of <laughs> being willing to put yourself out there and have yourself destroyed and you've got to be okay thank you for that let's move forward so i think that is a basic skill and when people are starting out it's difficult to gain that confidence like you, it's hard and You've got to be willing to be wrong a few times and get some hard knocks to get yourself built up to see the value that that brings. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so you definitely went in an angle that I think is is critical for people that are playing this role to to get that conversation started and also be able to hear, no, it's not quite right. Um and, uh, you know, that, that makes me think of where I think some people in the profession, I think it's less and less these days, but are still thinking documentation is a big part of our role. And it, it might be, right, but to me that's like an output of a conversation, right? That's the, the whole goal of using analysis techniques like the context diagram is not to document what you heard, it's to validate and get a conversation started that, this is what we're talking about. Did we miss anything, right? Do you agree, disagree? Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. So so the highest value that a BA brings, and we do need to get the requirements right, let's not you know downplay the importance of that, but the higher value is the person willing to dive in and start talking about what's important. Um, one of my favorite um, books growing up was a, a a book of poems by Shel Silverstein, and there's a particular poem where there's a little girl and she's got a whale, and it, it's like, how do you start eating a whale? And it's, you know, you take one bite, and it shows her, you know, as a young girl, then she's very old, maybe in her hundreds by the time she finishes the whale. The whole idea is <laughs> you've got to start somewhere, right? It's, it's um, that swirl that I mentioned is so common. And, and for me, one of my strengths is an activator, which means I'm willing to sacrifice things earlier probably than other people, and that can be a problem. I've got to, I've got to manage that too because I'm just like, okay, let's just start. I don't, let's just start something. Let's quit planning. And, and the whole concept of agile and being more agile and, and stopping the planning is so appealing because you just have to start somewhere. So uh, that is a great value of a BA, probably more so even than the documentation in, in reality because teams need help moving towards that goal. Yeah, that's all. an activator. I love that's another great term for um, kind of what we do and even is a basic, right? So, again, this is back to – and I just want to be clear to everybody listening in. When we're talking about basics, we're not talking about – easy stuff, right? I mean, that's yeah. uh, what Heather yeah. is describing, and you even said it, like it took time. It took me, you know, time to get the thicker skin and be able to do this and be okay in, in how I approach things and be okay with people saying, no, that's not quite it, Heather. Let's try again. 
uh, yeah, hearing that feedback and sometimes and many people, luckily I'm not a perfectionist, but many people are, right? So they want to get things perfect, but that doesn't activate things. That doesn't get things started all the time. Um, to really get moving and learn from it is to start something, get that conversation going, let's see where we are, let's see what we know, and then going. So that, I mean, to me is a great basic. So so another, uh, like switching gears now, and I know we, you know, in our pre-show calls and emails, um, you talked about a, another basic, and I think you and I agree with people, and I, we don't have to debate it here, but um, luckily you and I are on the same page. Some people feel like, okay, you have the context, you know where you are. A great way to understand the business is by looking into the data and all the attributes and how the relationships between data is. But I think you and I have our first go-to thing might be something different. So what's your what's after this context piece? You know, you're you're right. So once I understand sort of um the boundary that my beginning and end, so to speak, I have to dive into what the process is. And and understanding business process, you know, I say it's not possible um, for anyone to give another person directions until you know where you're at today. So a very basic um, skill set or basic tool for a BA is, is a rudimentary, it doesn't have to be a detailed, fleshed-out BPM, beautiful, uh, data-ready diagram, but some concept of what that business process is. So tell me what you're doing today. Once you have that basic understanding it really is another foundational step. And it is a basic. I, I've heard feedback from people, I don't have time to do it. And I, I said, well, I understand where you're coming from and I understand why you feel that way. However, I don't think you have time not to. So once that happens, it's a foundation for understanding the rest. And and this applies, you know, one of the things that 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 is a – frustration for me going on in our industry today is the conversation about business analysis in an agile team you know these basics you said at the beginning of the show it really doesn't matter what your software methodology is or how you're organized Um, the concepts that we're talking about truly are basic foundational skills for analysis and you have to have an understanding of that process um, to enough level that you least can see the exchanges between areas. And it doesn't even have to be detailed process. It could be very high-level ideas because, again, you know, the basics are how do I get started? Context is part of it, what my problem is, what my objectives are. Okay, now I've got these processes that I know I need to dive into, um, and I do need to understand the data as well, I really do those process. But starting with that process diagram is going to give you such a great foundation as a basic skill, and it's just something that blows my mind that people don't do. Yeah, yeah, and or again, it's it's another one of those things, and there are, and especially in the larger organizations, um, there there seems to be there might even be business process or process people, right? That that's what they do. They're business process analysts, and that's what they focus on. Um, and I think I think it's okay to to some point, right? I think the the BA role is pretty expansive. It's pretty wide, um, and depending on the type of work you have to do, maybe it makes sense that you do have specialists in even you know down to data, right? I mean, there's data scientists now, down to the process, down to um, 
what people would, you know, maybe consider functional and non-functional requirements. Um, and they, they're splitting those roles. Um, so, I, you know, I don't think we're here to comment on that today, but I think regardless, people, no matter where they are on the team, they have to understand kind of the process, where people are now. So why why is it, uh, so other than to, to get the information about what's happening today and then kind of seeing where you want to go. I mean, what, why, why is it a key? Why is it a basic thing that you have to do? You have to understand the processes. I think, you know, I think it's important to understand the processes to know how to, where to dive deeper. One of the things that becomes apparent to teams, and I think it's great that there are uh, companies that are focusing on, business process analysis and, and process improvement, you know, leverage those teams. Part of our, you know, get that conversation started is, is hey, I found this um, work we already have, you know, does this still, is this still valid? Those are great ways to leverage that team and not rework. You know, we don't want to be reinventing things along the way. But we have to understand the process as a basic step to understand what might be changing. So, Many things might stay exactly the same as we consider what our problem is. It helps us create focus. So going back to that jigsaw puzzle, if I've got my context, my outline, my frame, and then I understand um, the process, which could be different themes. I know when I do a puzzle, sometimes I focus on colors or objects or features. Uh, these are all things that become apparent as we start to fill out our story. You know, I, I consider the analysis process as a author of a story. I start with the title, uh, which is a project, and then I start to get a table of contents, which could be my context, and then I start writing chapters. Those process pieces become chapters in my requirement story. So being able to look at it, it gives me the information to better elicit and to better, better target where I need to focus. It could even be the prioritization exercise stems from the process. So there are so many facets that can leverage the process understanding um, to help me be more successful for, and create value for the team throughout that exercise. No, that's, that's great. And the, the one thing I was thinking about, or you made me think about as you were talking about that is, and I think – and I think you actually helped me understand why I start with process before data. Um, and it's because, to me, it's the, the human interaction part, right? I mean, somebody is interacting or doing a process or is impacted by the results of a process. Um, and in the end, like, if you know what processes are impacted by the initiative that you're working on, then you can start to think about, okay, well, how are the people – going to be impacted by this? Are people's jobs going to change? Are, um, are different groups going to start doing something that maybe in the past they didn't? So if you understand where people are today and understand and seeing how they're doing the work and then knowing, okay, well, going forward, right, um, we have to improve it, we have to change it. So what life, what's life going to be like for them after? And if the earlier you could start thinking about that and getting people prepared um, that there is going to be a change, the more success you're going to have as a team to implement that. So I always say that it's not good enough to just build a really cool thing, right? You know, whatever your project is doing, whatever it's trying to, to create, it's not good enough to build something great 
um, if nobody uses it, then it's a huge failure. So getting, so I think that you helped me kind of get to an answer of why I always felt it was important, but never kind of was able to put words to it. So thank you. That's another superhero skill you have, getting people <laughs> to understand themselves. I'm not even laying yes. on a couch or anything, and you're oh, that's you're helping awesome. me. I'm I'm a, a therapist yeah. today too. Well, that, that's I like what you said too, though. That that's a so part of the so we can add another basic skill here, and that this is a people business. Um, one of the the funniest things I hear, and it's it's a common thing. I've heard it through many projects, many different clients, many different organizations, even those I've taught, is the phrase, "Well, the system will do that." And I, I contemplate that, and I'm like, well, um, you wrote a great blog about, you know, the the robot BA. Well, we're not to the point right, yet yeah. uh-huh. that we're robots. And, by the way, someone needs to tell that robot how to behave. So we're here to help that system <laughs> um, know what to do. You know, the system doesn't do it automatically. It can't take our thoughts and translate this code yet. We're working on that, I'm sure, someone, artificial intelligence stuff. <laughs> But until then, we have job security because we have to have that conversation. But the concept, the other power of process, so it's amazing as you work with people and let's say you're you're dealing with, I, I've done a lot of insurance work, so let's say you're at an insurance company and you've got a person who has a very specific role in the underwriting department and they process this particular piece of business. They know their job inside and out. They don't understand that maybe their job has an input to an output down the line. Once you create that diagram, mm-hmm. they start to see where they fit in the entire organization, which makes them feel more valuable. And it also enables that conversation at a personal level, and that person realizes you care about them. You care about what they do specifically and when they've been having difficulty or frustrations you're finally listening to them and that is another basic skill to realize that this is an impact to a person and it can change their job i mean sadly sometimes we have to be involved in initiatives that end up in in job changes and maybe there's a reduction in in force you know Knowing that as you start the initiative helps you frame conversations to help everyone be okay with what that change might be in the organization. And change is a big part. That's probably not a basic skill, but more of the intermediate aspect of understanding change and how you can be a more effective change agent. Um, And process helps with that, too. So thank you for helping me make that connection. Right. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, so I might have, and I think we're saying the same thing. Um, like, I I think being that change agent is is part of the basics, right? It's like without that, then things fall apart. Now, the I agree with you completely that this is not easy, right? I mean, this it's not like you can, you wake up and you're new to the role that you're going to be good at this. Um, I I almost got fired earlier in my career because I didn't, kind of understand how to to help people along with changes. And I there was a project, and the, the right answer was to um, move uh, a couple of people from one department to another department. Well, when I, I just announced that to the department head in front of her peers, and she, like, lit into me, like, and I wasn't, 
expecting it, right? I'm like, if you look at all the data and you look at the facts, <laughs> it's the right thing to do. But I didn't set her, like, I didn't set the stage for her. And, you know, I mean, like most people, they're like, wait, this is, this is my area. Let me be part of the conversation. Um, don't just come in here and say, oh, we're moving two people from your department to a different department. So, um, it's, so it's, it's basic. It's a part of the, the foundation that you have to have. Someone on the team has to have and be thinking about, but it's not easy, right? I mean, this is really hard. Uh, because, it, it like is. you said, we're in the people business, right? We are, and, and that's so true. So what a great learning experience for you. Uh, not that you almost got fired, but the learning experience of setting simple. So there's another aspect of this, and, and, and yeah, I definitely agree that the change is it's definitely fundamental to success. So in that term, I could agree with basic. Um, right. yeah. But it, it definitely, you're right, it doesn't come day one. It's going to take some time. And, in fact, yeah. It's almost good when you have those experiences like you have um, because right. then you will remember. Um, the other, oh, yeah. so, so this leads me to another basic, too. I mean, the change is, is important, and we've got to be able to lead our teams to discovery. So something else that's frustrating, can be frustrating about this role is, in fact, we really aren't the decision makers. And at times we have to lead the team to to see what we already see. You know, I had a guy once in an interview and and I this is not I'm not saying this to think that this is even true of myself, but he he said to me, I think that sometimes you're the smartest person in the room. How do you get people to know what you know once you know it? And I I do not mm. think I'm the smartest person by any means. I do think that what I'm good at is making connections. I think I can very quickly make connections and like you said you saw the data you saw well this is really what's going to happen here and as ba no like, brain we, right. <laughs> yeah you're right we see that maybe earlier than other people and the art is how do you lead them to that discovery so that it can kind of become their thought um that sounds a little deflating but you also can't have a big ego and be in this role because again it's that sort of that sacrificial lamb you might know the answer or have come to some conclusion. So bringing people along is another part of our, our basic skills, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that is a great, great point because we're – and I've said this for other reasons, but when you're working on a project you're and you're a skilled BA and you do see – you do start to connect the dots. But uh, part of the reason, and this is why you need to be humble about it, is – Part of the reason is because you're thinking about this all the time, right? I mean, it's your 100%. You're dedicated to this. You're, you know, you're writing up your diagrams, creating models, talking to people about it, thinking about it. You know, you're driving home and it's kind of swirling in your head whether you're consciously thinking about it or not or in your subconscious, right? It's there. Um, so, but then, you know, the people you're working with, you have to understand that, okay, they're they're not in this 24-7 like I am, right? They, they have other things. They're, especially the people that are running the business, right, and in the business, their 24-7 is what's happening today and taking care of the, the client's customers and all that stuff. And that's what they're thinking about 24-7. They're not necessarily thinking about your initiative all the time. So you have to bring them along. And, and you can't assume that they have all the knowledge that you do. 
right? And I don't know, and maybe, you know, you hear about oracles, right, that they can see the future. <laughs> that that's, maybe that's what a, you know, a BA is kind of like in a sense because they can see the future before um, before others only because they've been focusing on it a lot more, Um yeah, yeah no, that's, that's a that's, that's a, a great, that's a great question, point. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a great yeah. point though. I think we can forget. You know, it goes back to context. So our context, our success is is dealing with solving this problem and understanding it from every angle. And one of my mantras is, you know, business analysis is a thinking profession. I'm constantly thinking, like you said, you're right. You drive home, you dream about it. You're thinking, what else have I not discovered? Who have I not talked to? What piece of the organization have I not uncovered the process or the data? What rule have I missed? All these things are going on in our minds, and we're putting together our puzzle. And we are kind of the the master puzzle connector. Other people are not involved with every piece of that puzzle like we are. So it's true. Right. Um, and, And we're trained to think that way. Um, we're not normal. We are superheroes. Right. <laughs> or evil geniuses. Yeah, no, it is. It is a, <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, I've, you've said this probably a hundred times. I say it all the time. It's like it's not a profession where you go through the motions. And um, it is a thinking profession. And you're constantly, your brain is working. And if you're, I said this on a webinar the other day, that if you're not tired, it was either on a webinar or I was doing a stakeholder engagement analysis class, and the and to me like you always you're always doing stakeholder analysis, right? Whether it's at the beginning of the initiative, but you're doing it down to the minutia of thinking about who's going to be in this meeting and how do I better engage them in this hour long meeting. Um, so if you're not tired, if you're not always thinking like this, and you're not tired at the end of the day, then you're not working as hard as you can. And that, that thought process is is very tiring. Um, so before we go on to the, the next thing, um, I do want to, you know, reach out to our audience and make sure you guys know that you can call in and talk to Heather and I. If you got a, a question for me, question for Heather, um, general comment. If you've dialed in via phone, you can press 1 and Javon will see you pop up and she'll get you in the queue to speak to us. If you're listening online, go ahead and type something into the the chat feature and Javon will be your spokesperson and get your question or comment read to us. All right, so Heather, you and I, you know, we talk a lot um, outside of work-related stuff, just general, you know, we're friends, we're we're also colleagues, but so we talk all the time, and business analysis is usually uh, part of the subject. Um, so we and we talk, and you mentioned that this is the people business. So is there is there something that you would consider um, even in addition to what we already talked about, the people business and the interaction and change? Is there anything else that you would say is core, is basic to to this this discipline? Well, I, yeah, absolutely. So another, and this deals with people too. You know, it's funny. I occasionally, well, not occasionally, probably quite often, am, am doing presentations and um, might pose a question or be looking for some conversation, and the room's so quiet. 
And I find that interesting because I think business analysts should be naturally curious. Um, it's almost like I would expect the room to be, you know, stumbling over each other to get a word in edgewise. But it's interesting how many people don't necessarily uh-huh. like people and are in this profession. It, it fascinates me. There's no, like, I don't know what their level of success is, but you have to like people, and you have to always consider a user's perspective. So another basic I would say that as I thought about this topic is we've got the context, we've got the process, we've got data involved. You've got to be considering that someone is going to be using the system. So we've got internal users, we've got external users, we've got other stakeholders that are involved. So having that user perspective, I think, is really, really a basic and and important element. I love uh, the user story aspect of personas. And the reason I love that is because it can focus my thinking on a particular user. So as a external user who is a potential customer, you know, I've got that story in my mind of, okay, this is a potential customer. What would I be doing? What, what, do I, what information would I like to see? What if, information do I need to see to make a decision about you know, hiring this company or buying this product or um, completing whatever you know, my compliance request is? Whatever your industry or business is, you've got to be considering who is interacting with your product and how they're doing it. And you almost have to become that person, you know, be one with the requirement concept. And that will change your elicitation. That will change your process thought. It could change the data that you might need. Um, It could definitely inform the strategy even. I mean, it, it has so much implication of having that specific user perspective. And then foundationally, fundamentally, I tend to focus on the QA person. Well, someone has to test this. So as that potential customer, someone's going to have to actually test what I'm indicating in my requirement statement. So I have to think about all that user perspective. And it's complex. It's not simple. And it's many layers. But that is an important piece of the basics of our role. Yeah, and you even bring up, I think, then I wasn't, uh, or I was surprised, not surprised, but I wasn't expecting you to go down this path of QA, right? But you're absolutely right. In, in this role, you have to think it's not only the the consumer or someone that's impacted that they're going to use the solution, but it's people that are going to use the stuff you're creating, right? Um, and how do I help the rest of my team be better at what they're doing? And that, that has to be part of the role. Um and I think, you know, when you were talking about like an external user using the system and elicitation, I think what enough people, so not only do some people not ask enough questions, right, or not as curious as they need to be, um, they don't get up out of their desk and go see how people are interacting with the solution or could interact with the solution. And you learn so much more because, you know, and this is a total joke, um, but people are liars, right? When they talk about their <clears throat> process or how they do something, they they often miss a lot of little pieces. And I think it's still part of some of the classes that we have. We do a little thing around somebody pumping gas. Um, and if you ask somebody how to <clears throat> pump gas, 
right? Um, half of them leave out that they take their seatbelt off, right? They say they pull up to the gas station, they get out of the car, um, and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, so they didn't take their seatbelt off. They didn't, um, they didn't tell you that they put the car in park, that they took the key out, right? I mean, so all these little things that we do, and I say people are liars, they're not being malicious, but they, they just, we don't remember those fine details. So, like going to observe someone and see them in their environment, um, that really gives you a sense of how they're they're using stuff. And there, there was a story. Um, it wasn't a project I worked on, but it was a project somebody was telling me about. And they they had to. There were people out in the field, so out of the office, and uh, their phones were their smartphones were too small to. You know, it was just difficult to do some of the updates. So. They wanted to roll out a new new application that worked on tablets, which were a little bigger. So they got all these people iPads and created this application that worked on them. But then all the iPads started breaking. Well, these people out in the field were actually on, like, construction sites. So, you know, they put their tablet down, and then, you know, a hammer drops on it or a board drops on it. So, like, it, they didn't think about, right, um, if they went out, to, to their location and saw maybe where they would put the tablet down. Maybe they would just, they might still be tablets, but they might have super, you know, uh, super cases that would protect them like anything. So going to their location, that really gives you a sense of what's happening. Oh, so true. You know, um, yes, that, that the, the pumping gas, I would say it's nearly 100% of the people that don't remind you to take your seatbelt off. Now, now being the analyst, I'd say, well, maybe you don't wear a seatbelt to drive. I mean, that's possible. You could be breaking the law and, and taking the risk yeah. to get a ticket. I mean, I'll, I'll give you that, that, you know, if that's the case. But I love that analogy. You're right. Um, the observation is so important because we do not remember from day to day. Teaching your children to drive or anyone, maybe not, teaching any other person to drive is such a fascinating experiment as well because you learn in a driver's education, you know, what, what, here are the rules, these are the things you do, but then you see someone who's driving and no, you don't stop the appropriate number of feet behind someone. No, you right. don't remember the, the rules. You, you just, you, well, you know, yeah, it's a guideline. It's kind of like, more like a guideline than a rule. We forget so many things, and in our system, <clears throat> observation is a great elicitation technique and so important to see that user interaction. But there are other techniques as well that verify the user system interaction, and observation will help us see those too. You know, so I love process, as we've already talked about. You, you and I share that, that uh, viewpoint. I can do some very specific workflow diagrams to describe the decision points, the keying, the, the rules, everything. I can get that done so I feel very confident about it. But when I shift my thinking to that user perspective and I apply a technique such as the use case, which I know some people don't like use cases, whether you like them or not, the thinking is what's important in my conversation here, is you think about, as a user, I have an interaction now, that interaction requires a system response. Going through that dialogue, it's like the seatbelt. So then I, I, as I'm teaching this in, in, that, in the Essentials class, which is a great, great content to, to teach this concept, is I get stuck with my seatbelt. So I physically show the system 
can't move further because you have constrained it. You haven't taken off your seatbelt. I can't physically get out of the car just like a system can't move on in its processing because you haven't indicated, you know, the system should do it. Well, I haven't told the system what it should do yet. And it helps you discover from a user perspective, well, what do you expect to have happen? If What if this processing is not um, the happy path? What error, Do I show an error message? Do I show a warning? Do I take them to a different screen? Those conversations are so important from that user perspective. And you have to consider that a human being will be interacting with the software and what kind of experience do you want them to have. You know, the, the requirement the system should be user-friendly is a horrible requirement, not specific enough, and yet that underlying principle requires us to have that user perspective to make it a good experience. So they, you know, we're all mm-hmm. business. We have jobs because they buy our products or services. You know, you have to think about it, and you have to challenge people to consider that perspective. Yeah, and I think we're, you know, I, I like that you're bringing up user perspectives because I think this is where most conflicts come from as well, which, and I know you're, you're big and maybe you'll talk about conflict and, and that that's part of our role in helping, not, not causing conflict, hopefully, or not <laughs> causing bad conflict, but like working through conflict. But it's at the user or the, the stakeholder, the individual level that where conflicts arise because one, you know, one need of one stakeholder could be different and maybe completely opposing to another. And the, the analogy, I like to use the, a house analogy for a lot of stuff because I think it just, it works for a lot of the stuff that we do. And if, so if you're going to buy a house, like who are the key stakeholders that are going to be impacted by that? So you have, you know, if it's a family, you know, you have the, the husband, the wife, the um, or the partners, right? Um, and you have, there might be kids, there might be dogs, right? So dogs are, even though they can't speak, um, they have needs, right? They're going to want a big yard, but maybe the person responsible for mowing the yard or keeping the yard up doesn't want a big yard, right? So now you have conflicting stakeholder needs or perspectives. Um, and back to your point, it's about conversation. Now, at least you see, okay, I have all these different perspectives. Where do they align? Where don't they align? Let's talk about it, right? Can we do everything? Can we, which one can, which one has more priority? And it might be, you know, it might be the person paying for, for the house that, that wins out over the dog. Um, but at least you had that conversation. You thought about it. Yeah, you're so right. So, so there's some, some things that can, can help with that um, in our basic conversation. You, last episode you talked about um, understanding the problem. Once we understand what the problem is, that can help us identify perhaps a stakeholder viewpoint. We also have objectives. So we can challenge, you know, okay, well, our objective, so in, in the case of the house, our objective may have been, you know, to buy a home in a safe neighborhood um, with this price, you know, by this time of the year or something like that. Right. Okay, so we've yeah. got price. Okay, that's important to us. So what houses fit our price with this different yard? You know, those are all, and, and it sounds so simple as we describe it, and it's not easy. It's complex, but it all, 
just like a puzzle. It all fits together. It really does. And and it it's having that upfront scope, understanding the problem, understanding the objectives, understanding what the context of our, our we're working in, that helps us with those conflicts. And it's I love the aspect of, of stakeholder viewpoint. And if you can, I know it's not always possible, but having a conversation beforehand when there are multiple stakeholder groups and the context diagram will show you the multiple stakeholder groups um, as a visual. You can start talking about, okay, so when we come up to a a situation where we've got these conflicting requirements, do we have a viewpoint that's the most important? You know, for example, it becomes easy once it's a compliance project. Well, then, you know, the compliance area and the rules need to take precedence over any other thing. Right. Yeah, but but to have that, the more we can do that up front, and not that it won't change because things do change, but the more we can have that conversation up front and to get an understanding, um, a foundation for the project, we'll be better off in resolving those conflicts. And we remind, and it, and you know what's best about that, Coop? I think is letting people resolve their own conflicts. So leading the conversation to address, okay, we have this. We have this pro- this conflict. Um, I just want to remind the team that we agreed this was the problem we were trying to solve. These are objectives. So how does that um, help us in this conflict? And having leading people to that answer that might be obvious to us. That's another part of our foundational right, yeah. skills. Yeah, I'm I'm big into like people say I need help in how to manage conflict or you know, work through conflict. And I'm I'm of the belief that I try to do things to not even get to conflict, right? Or yeah. where the so it's a difference of opinion, then you can if you've done that the legwork up front to understand, okay, these we're all clear on our objectives and to your point, if if we do run into conflicting statements, who wins out? Like kind of agreeing on that stuff earlier than later then it's not a conflict. It's just a conversation to say, oh, okay, so we have two things that are uh, against, you know, they're opposing forces. We can't do both. We can only do one or the other. Um, Who wins out? Um, And then it should be an easier conversation. And Jacqueline, who couldn't be here today, but she she always says, let's work this stuff out while we're all getting along, and then (laughs) it won't be an issue down the road, right? Because... Because what happens on projects when that if you don't do what you're talking about, you get to a point when now we're at more of a time crunch. You got more eyeballs on it. Everybody's stressed, or people start to get stressed, and then they, then that's when people get upset with each other, and it's a problem. Um, but if you work it out while well, everybody, you know, at the beginning of an initiative, everybody's happy. Um, it, it's a lot easier to deal with then than when tempers start to flare. Oh, I love that. I'm going to have to adopt that phrase. Let's all let's let's work this out yeah. while we're all getting along. It's it's so true. It's like right. this <laughs> ugly tide that and you can feel it. It's like a tangible point. Right. <laughs> the project takes a turn and there are fingers pointed. And unfortunately, um many times it can be about the requirements of the business analyst and it's unfair. Um one of the habits, um, Jared Jared Garay, a fantastic analyst from Calgary, he and I have done a, a presentation, the seven habits of highly effective business analysts, and we talk about the ha- habit of communication and collaboration. 
and address this more specifically even. And, and you know, we're only as sick as our secrets as, and arguing isn't a cure. We say that because once you start to withhold information and um, are not willing to collaborate, your team becomes sick and, and it becomes mm. ugly. People start playing the blame game and and nobody wins. So he, he Jared is... Right. Uh, one of his things he says is the concept of, you know, it's my fault. <laughs> I I caused global warming. I'm not sure how, but, okay, I did it. Let's move forward and start to solve the problem. Right. <laughs> but that concept is another way that a BA can just, yes, okay, it's a problem. Um, something happened. Blaming someone and being upset about it is not going to make anything move forward. So we have to keep that conversation going and get our teams um, back to collaboration which is what you'd mentioned, you know, on last show, collaboration as one of those basics. Awesome. Well, Heather, we have, and, you know, this happens to me all the time, and it happened to you, you know, before coming on in our pre-show call, you were like, I'm not sure I could talk about this for an hour. Um, But as you realize, the hour kind of just got sucked up, and I knew we would have no problem chatting for for 60 minutes on this topic. So we have a couple of minutes left um, before we wrap up the show. So do you have any final thoughts for, for our listeners? Yeah, I think the final thought I have is sometimes when I'm doing presentations, uh, some of the things we're talking about are, are maybe the softer skills, the artistic aspect of business analysis, and there's a feeling that it's too basic, that it's um, – not applicable maybe to them. And I would challenge people to consider that there isn't really anything too basic, and it's perhaps the basics that create the most value for our team. So just all of us be willing to um, be open to the basic conversation and not necessarily thinking that it has to be the the latest model or something else, because it really is some sort of simple foundational things that are hard to master, but once you do, it creates that value that we want um, to be, this profession to be known as. No, that's awesome, and I think you, you've given the listeners a lot of great things to consider, like, you know, building the, the edges of the puzzles, understanding the edges, um, and using a context diagram as a way to do that, um, and then digging deeper and seeing who's impacted and where things are impacted by looking at processes and using all this stuff um, to create conversations. And that's what it's about is to and to think. I mean, I think you know you you said something earlier, and I didn't comment then, but it was like uh, what you do is when you were talking about the use case and somebody says something and that makes you think of, oh, wait, but how can you do that um, when you didn't do this step first? Let's talk about it. Uh, I think that's the piece of being doing good analysis is like always, and that's critical thinking, right? It's like always questioning and trying to figure out, is could that be true? If it's not, then what are all the other pieces around it? And let's dig into that before we just move on and not, not just go through the motions and, you know, have your list of questions and just ask them, and whatever anybody says, just write them down and move forward. So, um, Heather, thank you so much. You've been awesome. Uh, we're definitely going to have you back on the show. Um, you passed? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, you were. Thank you. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, it was great having you and, and Jacqueline and I. 
do these shows regularly, but we love having other voices in the mix. So uh, thank you so much. And to all our listeners, I just want to say B2T Training is the, the group that has kind of sponsored this Ask an Analyst radio show. So we're going to listen to a, a brief uh, commercial or promo, and then we will let you go on throughout your day. So thank you guys very much. And Javon, let's run the promo. This episode is sponsored by and features B2T Training. B2T Training has trained and equipped almost 15,000 of the most successful and high-performing practitioners of business analysis since the year 2000. Our courses are developed and taught by the most respected and highest qualified experts in the industry. Did you know that Coop is the president of B2T Training? If you like what you heard today, join us for one of our upcoming public classes to learn the business analysis tips, techniques, and best practices that he's talking about. We have several classes coming soon. Our Essential Skills for Business Analysis class will be offered September 26th through 29th in Atlanta. Essential Skills is our most popular and highest rated course. It's appropriate for beginners or experienced analysts needing to refresh or hone their skills. Another of our most popular classes, Business Process Analysis, is scheduled for October 3rd through 5th and the 10th through 12th. This session will be presented virtually in half-day sessions each afternoon. We also just added a new course to our curriculum, Agile Business Analysis Bootcamp. Jacqueline has headed up its development and will be teaching our first session on November 14th through 16th in Atlanta. Don't miss her as she walks through how to use Agile to build the right thing with a customer-focused approach. After each of our classes, we also include ongoing enrichment and reflective activities that provide students the boost they need to sustain their learning and competency. In other words, we make it stick. Get your business analysis training from the most respected and highest qualified source of experts in the industry. Find out more about these public class offerings and others or call to speak with one of our training solution sales associates toll free at 866-675-2125. Follow us on social media and visit b2ttraining.com to see our full course outlines, blog, and free downloadable resources. We get it. We'll help you get it too. You have been listening to Technology Expresso Radio. For a full list of our podcast series and upcoming shows, as well as our social media handles, visit our web portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. Here you can always listen live through our live studio. And we want to send a special thanks to our sponsors and thank you to our listeners. And remember, we encourage you to listen, learn, leverage, and launch. And as always, thanks for listening to Technology Expresso Radio.